Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. G'day and welcome to today's very special episode as it is International Women's Day in Agriculture. I'm sure you're aware but this episode goes in a little bit deeper to see what it's all about. Today runs different for our very first panel discussion with four amazing women looking back at me as I speak right now that you'll actually hear from later in the show. It's pretty daunting. They must think it's pretty daunting to be on a podcast but it's daunting for me to be talking whilst they're looking down the barrel and seeing what I'm going to say next. But nonetheless, I do love talking about ways to improve agribusinesses on this podcast, Farmswise podcast, and have loved the input women have had on the podcast. Naturally, I haven't needed to level the playing field as women in agriculture are shaping the podcast itself without them actually knowing it. With their innovative and entrepreneurial assets that they have in their toolbox ready for agribusiness, I seem to just pick a little piece out here and there that really goes to shape Australian agriculture, but also this podcast. A phrase I wrote earlier on in the week on Instagram leading up to this show captured it pretty well for this episode, I think. It goes, they're my mentors, leaders in the industry, they just don't know it yet. These women are part of the cohort I've spoken to because they're doing things a little bit different, going against the grain when they should and zagging when they when they're told they shouldn't. So when this opportunity came along, of course I said yes to farmers, to founders. I couldn't have said it really any quicker. Sky will be able to tell you. They put this together, so I'll thank them, the women on the show leading the way in how they're running their businesses. All businesses on the show today are very different, but they do have a lot of the same characteristics and a common theme. They're actually led and ran by women. The women, also, the women who are listening for playing a vital part in Australian agriculture, we could not thank you all enough. You're needed and worthy of so much more than you know. Also, if you're a bloke, share this episode for the women in your life working hard in agriculture, but also out of agriculture. It's a bit of an inspiring sort of journey we're going on today. And if you're a woman working within agriculture, keep striving for new heights. I've got your back. And before I keep going on, let's get on with the show. Thank you very much, Sky, for coming on to the show. She's the executive director and also a Farmers to Founders alumni. Beautiful to have you on, as long as the other ladies in the room today. Thanks very much, Jack. We're really happy to be here and and great to share this session with some of our alumni today. Yeah, absolutely. It's more of my privilege than yours, but we'll get into it and introduce the women on the podcast today and how vibrant they are within their own communities. So to Jenny Moore, a chickpea and lentil farmer from Wimmera, 
Victoria. The Wimmera Grain Store sells a range of pulse-based products by promoting her tasty snacks, encourages visitors to the area to, of Wimmera and the Mallee region. G'day, Jeannie. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jack. Thanks for having us on. It's beautiful to have you on from your area down there in Wimmera. It's very, it's probably going to get very busy down there come harvest time. Yes, fingers crossed. The crops are looking good. Um, our lentils are flowering at the moment so um, and looking lovely. So we've just got to get them through the frost. So fingers crossed. It should be a good season, we're hoping. Absolutely, and some bit of warmer weather, weather to finish them off. Beautiful. And we'll move on to Jenny Danaher from Galicious Grown. Thank you for coming to the show, Jen. Hi, Jack. Thanks for having me. Beautiful to have you from your different perspective that you may have on your journey into agriculture as well they produce a line of award-winning chemical-free gourmet black garlic products such as salad dressings aioli and paste and i can't wait to hear all about it and your journey to get where it is and especially within the covid pandemic yes no covid certainly threw some different um different dramas our way and we've all had to uh, use that word pivot, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great way to put it. Pivoting in a new direction, um, but also remembering what your true focus is. And then moving yeah. into Fiona Turner, co-founder of Bitwise Ag, their green view of ag tech solution provides growers with actual count imagery and analysis tools to guide crop management decisions. Welcome to the show, Fee. Um, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here, Jack. Absolutely. Great to have you all on the show and thank you for being all a part of it. Sky, I'll kick it off to you to see how we get this show on the road. Yeah, cool. Thanks, Jack. Well, I might, um, if you don't mind, just give a bit of an intro into Farmers to Founders. So um, we've been around for about three years now, going into our third year. And over those years, um, you know, we've helped lots of producers to create and scale ag tech and, and value-added food ventures. Um, and we do this through our innovation pathways. And we've recently rebranded our programs, which are called Hatch, Hone and Harvest. Um, and basically, these programs are there to um, provide support and help to producers and, and other agri-food innovators who are, you know, they could be working on an idea. Um, so that very early stage, right through to kind of scale up and internationalization, which you'll hear from um, our alumni today. So all the women today have gone through our programs that used to be called boot camp. So they're going to be able to share some really great stories with you. I bet they're all beautiful companies on the rise up and all very different in their own means. So it's great to see the different perspectives. And I imagine Sky from your end of it, farmers to founders, the range of ideas that are coming out are pretty cool to see, especially from the farming background. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so exciting and, you know, the, the greatest thing is that and what we truly believe and passionate about is that producers need to be at the centre of innovation. And the reason for that is that they truly understand the problems deeply, both from an um, on-farm perspective and also for their industry. And so that's why they can be, you know, fantastic kind of problem solvers in their own right yep. and really are, you know, open to um, kind of commercialising and, and, and developing technology or, or value-added food businesses themselves. Yep, I've actually had a few ideas that haven't gone commercial, obviously, but I think farmers are probably looking for that support on the commercial viability of it to be able to scale it to what these ladies on the show today have done. So, so it's very important for farmers to founders. You're an important link in the industry. And I think as you grow yourself, you're going to see that role carry on into the future. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Jack. Beautiful. So, Jenny... COVID has played a significant impact on our business, especially rural communities that rely on tourism. Yet, tell me more about your Rip and Yip living to encourage more tourists to the area. Hopefully I pronounced that correctly. And how you've inspired other women to collaborate and start their value adding adventures. Okay, Jack, look, certainly. So by way of background, um, my family are from a place called Rapanyup. So, so good try on the Rapanyup, almost there. Um, it's located in uh, northwestern Victoria, about three and a half hours drive from Melbourne. 
Look, to be honest, the family have been into the added value space since the early 90s when we first started growing um, chickpeas and and, um, and other pulses as part of our crop rotation. And then I got involved probably about seven or eight years ago with the real added value side um, in a retail context. So in addition to being able to sell our products as a commodity, we've also been developing a range of added value products, um, namely shelf-ready plant-based products. These retail packs have actually got the Repanion silo art on it, which has been designed to promote our town, our region, our art and our food with the, with the focus of actually appealing to the tourist market. Um, we got into this space because what we'd like to do is to raise the profile of towns like Repanion to attract tourists and then with a longer term aim of trying to create investment for the town and the region. And the reason being Rapanyab, like other small rural communities, the, the, the town's size and population are declining. So we're looking for strategies to try and turn that around. So how did this all come about? Um, well, we started a campaign which those involved called, well, we, we call it putting Rapanyab on the map. Um, and it all started because of 2016 being part of the International Year of Pulses, whereby we saw an opportunity to link what we grow in the area to tourism. So I did a number of death by PowerPoint presentations um, and got the Repanyap community involved in thinking about how we could link into the global and national campaign around International Year of Pulses, add value to what we grow, and then raise the profile of the town at the same time. So we came up with an idea or a logo, um, a town logo, which we called Repanya of a Town with Pulse, and which the community I'm pleased to say bought into the idea and the concept. It was about that time that I got to know Claire from Repanya Living. Um, Claire has a beautiful giftware shop in the centre of Repanya. She bought into the idea and the concept of branding the town. Um, and so when I started milling chickpeas into flour, um, I gave her a sample and she turned that chickpea flour into a brownie. The brownie is now a tourist attraction in its own right. From that then Claire and I started chatting to another lady by the name of Beck. Beck Dunlop now has a 1970s retro brand band in the middle of town called Seed and Sprout. Beck's really into the healthy eating side of um, the pulses and the chickpeas. And all of this has been We've been working together for a number of years and we're pretty excited because um, early this year we finally got back roads to come and film at Rapanyap. Um, and believe you me, where COVID's concerned, there was a lot of, okay, we're coming to film and then they couldn't come because of all the lockdowns and everything. But eventually they got there and then it, and then it um, aired in May of this year. And it's been such a, even in spite of all the challenges of COVID, it's been so good to raise the profile of the town and, and actually every time it plays, it results in tourists coming into the town. So a bit of a long-winded story, Jack, but, yeah, we got there. A beautiful story nonetheless. And that journey of you going into finding how you can relate tourism with your products that are produced within the region, do you look at that as these, you're looking for investment into the region as well, but, like, the tourists investing into your products, is that a way that you've looked at investment as well? Investment they can uh, take look, away with them? Yeah, look, absolutely. There's multiple um, revenue opportunities with this. So in terms of just a straight, um, I put together the snacks and then they're distributed through regional stockists. Um, so we're not only paying back to the grower. When, there's that whole economic cycle whereby the grower, we buy the product from the grower we then make a margin on it. The, then the stockist earns a margin on it. And then we're also um, profiling the town at the same time. So everybody in the chain gets a little bit back, which then goes back into the community. Yeah, absolutely. It's just what you want. And especially if the farmers are doing well and the community is quite vibrant, you can start to see everything sort of lift up, even into the bigger cities of Dubbo where I'm based. If the farmers are doing really well, so is the town as well. But We'll move on into that. And then what attracted me so much to farmers to founders is that value adders are what they're looking for and these farmers looking for a different revenue stream. What would be your piece of farms advice, your tips for the women out there that are looking to jump into this, start to hatch their egg, as Sky talked about just before, and start to get the ball rolling? 
Look, I think it's a really exciting space for women. Um, I think the women are going to lead this added value or ag tech change. Um, and my advice would be get help early. Uh, you know, having completed um, programs like Farmers to Founders, it, it saves you time and money. Um, I've got product that's that I've got into Hong Kong that I wouldn't have got over the line if it wasn't for Farmers to Founders help. The network of subject matter experts that they introduce you to um, and in the area of getting my products into Hong Kong, I needed someone who knew about Hong Kong and overseas contracts. Um, and it was Christine Pitt who introduced me to a lawyer who helped me, you know, get the contracts together to enable the deal to go ahead. And it's that network that they really home in on um, that's just fantastic. Um, as well as, oh, look, just, just other things like the whole customer discovery. Um, and then it's also really competitively priced way of doing things you're not paying thousands of dollars to get a a um to do customer research because they've got all these amazing tools that can make customer research really cheap website development cheap social media activities it's just brilliant um in fact i've been playing this space as i said earlier for a number of years and um i've looked you know what took me years through trial and error can be condensed into a number of months doing a Farmers to Founders program. Yeah, absolutely. You can sort of jump on the bandwagon of the mistakes that Farmers to Founders have sort of made themselves and then you get to reap the rewards by their great research and jump in there. But Jenny, thank you very much. We'll move from the grain store in Wimmera there to Jenny from Galicious Grown. Jenny, thanks for coming on the show. We'll move in to see what your motivations was to start your value add, the garlic grown on your property, and turn it into what is this high-end black garlic product. Tell us all about it. Yeah, okay. So um, both Kathy and I have properties on either side of Braidwood, and Braidwood is a great growing, a garlic growing climate because it gets really cold here, and so it's very suitable for that. And we were growing um, really great garlic and I guess um, growing garlic is very labour intensive too for it, until you get to a really big scale where you can afford all the machinery and the like and um, so it's labour intensive for not a great a huge return I suppose so there was always in the back of our minds thinking well what else can we do with this product and really we just stumbled across black garlic one day in a posh foodie magazine and just decided, well, hey, let's just give this a go. And when we um, we did produce it for the first time, just on a really small scale, we were probably really surprised and very pleasantly surprised at how great it tasted. And we thought, this is this has really got legs. And we've now just got to work out how we can um, do it on a much more economical scale because we initially started doing it with a very small bench dehydrator, which was just sending power out the window for, you know, 30 days. And so then we worked out how to do it on a large scale so that it was actually economically viable to do on a commercial scale, I guess. Yeah, I see like one thing is to be able to make the product within probably your bounds of your home within a personal sort of dehydrator. Exactly. I did it with yep. beef jerky at university. Um, and sold it to a few mates but getting that to commercial prospects and having that black garlic the higher end sort of product how did you first take your first steps into it was it seeing where you can plan it on your farm or is it going into the research side of it straight away um i guess initially it was um really you know because it was such a new product it was like working out whether people actually liked it. So I guess yeah. we taste tested it on all our family and friends to see what they thought of it. And, and given we had nothing but positive feedback, we thought, yeah, we've got to do something more with this. And um, I suppose it just, it, it just grew that way. And I guess then our range extended sort of through um, uh, almost a natural extension, like in some ways, some of our black garlic went wrong or we cooked it too much. So then we thought, oh, we'll dehydrate it and powder it. So next thing we had a black garlic powder. And then, and then that, you know, just, and then just through contacts, we, we then decided to 
get it added to other products which expanded our range. So we have a dressing and we have an aioli and then we have a paste. So all of our line has slowly expanded almost through, um, almost by accident, I guess, in a way, which has been great. Yeah, well, I'd see, say that would be much relatable to a lot, a lot of others out there and then a few of the ladies on the call today. But for yourself, the self-development for it, how did you learn more about yourself as you moved into and progressed into entrepreneur, farmpreneur during the Farmers to Founders oh. program that you were in? Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, no, Farmers to Founders was fabulous. And I guess, to be honest, the uh, thing that we probably learnt the most about ourselves initially through Farmers to Founders is that we were probably uh, better entrepreneurs than we gave ourselves credit for because we, I guess we were thinking we were just stumbling across this product by accident. But when we sat down at Farmers to Founders working, or not working, but putting out your business plan, it made us realise how much we had actually already done. And, and they, the Farmers to Founders um, coaches certainly helped encourage us to say, hey, this is a, a truly viable business that can certainly be scaled a lot bigger than it is at the moment. And they gave us the confidence to uh, be able to do that really. And to, to think a bit further outside the square of where we were going. So to allow uh, more customers in, a, in different sales channels and um, help us, yeah, just to grow, which we are continuing to do. Yeah, absolutely. I see entrepreneur, the word gets thrown around within agriculture a bit less than what it would do. Say like everyone sort of heard of Silicon Valley. That's where it sort of came from. But I think it's a growing niche for agriculture and allowing people to see those opportunities out there. As an entrepreneur, you're not limiting yourself into what you can and can't do. Um, And you're building on yourself what you've learned across your journey and learning from farmers to founders, of course. Absolutely. And and the other thing that farmers to founders definitely did for us was, um, you know, we were just two people growing a business and we had to realise that um, in actual fact to grow, we couldn't do everything. So we had to start thinking about how we could outsource. And I suppose just getting that guidance about, what we outsource or what someone else could do better to help us, which would save us time and money in the long run, was really great, um, probably obvious guidance when you think about it now, but at the time it was really um, important and useful. Yeah, so if you're going one out of it, you probably don't know what uh, either side of your um, of your own view, so you don't know what others are running or what paths they've been down to or even easier one that like sky may know of 1500 others that have been down the same track as you and if you move two centimeters to the left you might be 20 percent better and improve your product or even your operations fantastic jenny to hear about your products as long as well as kathy but she couldn't make the show today so thank you very much for sharing a bit with us we'll move over to fiona turner with bitwise fiona how are you going today thanks Beautiful. Thank you for coming on to the show today. But let's talk about your product and what barriers you've overcome to become a successful female entrepreneur. Oh, so this is a really hard one. I feel like I've overcome a ton of barriers. I feel like there's a barrier every day that we're trying to climb over. But um, I suppose one of the ones that sort of started out for us that was a little bit of a surprise, I suppose, was um, our journey started with Bitwise Agronomy when I moved down to Tasmania. I'm from rural New Zealand. Generations of farmers wanted to go get back to the land. Couldn't have afford a sheep or beef farm. And, um, you know, they, let's give grapes a go. Let's give wine a go. Who doesn't want to, you know, make their own wine um, and live the dream? So I came down here. We bought the vineyard. And Bitwise Agronomy was born out of the problems that I was having in the vineyard. Um, and all was going well um, in the company, you know, we were, the problems were being built out of, you know, my issues and um, we came to our first investment round and it was a real struggle and I didn't know whether we were going to get through it. And, you know, I think it was because being a rural woman in a rural location, I just didn't have the networks that um, the sort of AI companies in, in Sydney or you know, San Francisco or wherever they may be have, you know, sitting in 
at the, you know, at the back of Launceston in Tasmania on my vineyard. And it was really, really hard to get access to those investors. And what I found was that the first wave of investors that I talked to, you know, might be might have been sort of local, not sophisticated investors, um, not sophisticated in angel investment. So it was really hard for them to get through past this barrier as well that I was a rural woman, um, even though I had like 15 years experience in deep tech and and had farming as well. You know, I was pigeonholed into this, um, oh, well, you're just a farmer. What do you know about AI? And, um, you know, we got to a stage where we literally had $6,000 left in our bank account and we were like, man, we, we need another investor. We, we need to get this across the line so we can keep the company going. And we just found a sophisticated investor that knew AI, that knew agriculture, and that we had, was life-changing for us, but it also showed us the type of investors we want for our company as well. And the second round, our seed round that we've just closed, um, this investor's brought in a lot of people for us as well. And it's just been a total different experience. Beautiful. And going for that investment, as a woman within agriculture, and you said that you've been pigeonholed into what the community sort of thought, where you're in rural communities. How did that help or um, or not help you along your journey to find that investment for that? Yeah. Did that tarnish think, your way to go about it? Yeah, like the great thing about being, you know, living my problem and having yeah. it myself and being a rural woman is that the people that are buying the software and our product, like know that we get it because we're farmers too. And that's helped with like our sales and our growth and, and that because um, our customers, we are our customer and they, they trust us and we can talk farm language and the details of grapes and berries and, and things like that. Um, and yeah, once we got over the hurdle and found the right type of investor who was sophisticated and we got access into that network, um, then this last raise took us four months and we were oversubscribed and we raised uh, $2.4 million um, to grow our business for the next 18 months, which is really exciting. So it's literally been life-changing. Absolutely. That's an astonishing amount to raise. So congratulations to you and your business for moving it that little bitwise more. But <laughs> women within agriculture are much under underrepresented in ag tech and agriculture around the world as you know and the listeners know out there um what tips would you give to other women who want to follow your path and are considering a future in ag tech be it they're in a rural community like yourself and they may have been pigeonholed as well yeah i think ag tech gives a massive opportunity for women to get involved in farming um you know we have to be innovative in the way that we farm being women, you know, like can't, can't maneuver the big machinery and do some of the more physical jobs by brute force. I've got to be smarter at, at doing that. But with the stream of ag tech and, you know, looking at the production and, and how do we drive production up and cost down, um, there's this really nice area for women to, to get involved in a less sort of brute kind of yep. um, farm, farm role, not to pigeonhole the men and um, the men in the ag either, but, you know, it really opens up agriculture to everyone. You know, someone from the city that understands how to analyse data in detail can now be part of the farming community and bring those skills into ag tech and um, bring their knowledge from other industries um, into this. So I really think, it, um, you know, farming had a, you know, maybe like an identity crisis where it's not kind of glamorous enough. Well, now it is glamorous. You know, now anyone can work in farming and it's so rewarding. So this is an awesome way for women to get involved at so many different levels. You know, they can be a software engineer that does stuff to do with farming or they could be a data analyst to do with it or they can be out in the field doing ground truthing and, and understanding the agronomy of plants and then feeding that back to the ag tech companies as well. So, you know, there's um, sort of all sorts that go into an ag tech company and, um, you know, the, the opportunity is sort of there for the taking for women. Yeah, absolutely. I see it as that's the growth part for agriculture, but we need to be able to educate those and see where these sort of roles are within agriculture. I see every role that's available outside of agriculture is available within agriculture as well. You don't actually have to work in the city, but it would be great to have a few more out in rural and regional communities, of course, just to bolster 
these communities are great. It's a bit cheaper, as you may all know, uh, living in the city. But Fiona, fantastic to hear about your story, your platform, and how you've gotten to there. Sky, the ladies on the show today are breaking boundaries and also working with Farmers and Founders. How have you gone on the journey of helping these women out for leading their businesses as entrepreneurs, farmpreneurs, agropreneurs, grain sellingpreneurs? Yeah, well, I mean, for me personally, it's a very rewarding job um, to work with um, inspiring producers who are on this journey. Um, and, you know, from, from you know, if they make just even from having an idea and, and, and turning it into something and just the opportunities for um, farmers to kind of create more value for their, their farm, diversify their farm um, and capture that value back um, is really exciting. And so, yeah, it's a really rewarding job. And, and obviously it's not just me and Farmers to Founders. There's a whole team that kind of help um, producers on this journey. So, yeah, it's, it's fantastic and, and really appreciate the ladies here talking today. Yeah, absolutely. And we get to dive a little bit deeper into what women in agriculture have got and what they're ready to do. These ladies on the show actually representing their own companies that they've led from the start and really starting to move the dial for their own business what sort of three points would they need to get get together first to kick off their own journey within ag tech within value adding their products as a farmer listening today um so i guess yeah so um farmers to founders is here to really support from all of those different stages so you know you go through those different stages as an entrepreneur and I I guess the first thing is that you know we hear a lot that you know many people say they're not an entrepreneur and and you heard from from Jenny as well made the point that you know a lot of the time they don't have the confidence to start and I guess what Farmers to Founders does is that we provide that very supportive safe environment where you can um, talk about your ideas in in a place where you're not sort of judged or criticized you you help to kind of you know form those ideas and work out really whether you know it's worthwhile pursuing that's kind of where we start um and so yeah I guess it's it's you know there's a number of ways to kind of build up that confidence um and you know one of the ways that you can do that is you know trying to connect, build your network, trying to connect with um, other women um, and, and, you know, broader than that in your community. But also, you know, a job that we do is to try to inspire and make aware of, of these female founders like, like today. So that's, that's so others can hear about their stories and be inspired by them um, and, and sort of hear that, you know, hey, I'm like that, I, you know, maybe I could do that. I've got an idea. And so there, and as soon as you've got that, we're here to, provide that support absolutely it probably comes back to the core of women as becoming community nurturers and then that's what farmers and founders is sort of doing nurturing this community and allowing it to be a safe place for these crazy ideas to get thrown around um, but in the end they're probably not as crazy as they first thought um, and they're coming into commercial fruition later with the boundaries of what you can do and can't do and what's the best route to get there. Yeah, exactly. So for COVID, when did you ladies actually uh, start your businesses? How long have you been running for? We'll go to Jenny Moore from the Wimmera store. Jenny, how long have you been running the store for? Um, Look, I started trading um, probably nine years ago. Um, My brother taught me how to trade. Um, and it was through my supply chain knowledge or as my supply chain knowledge grew is to why I've become interested in the added value space and, and particularly retail products. So from that nine years of experience, how much has changed and has the pandemic really impacted the way you run your business? Uh, absolutely. Lots of changes. So I think probably the the most fabulous change is certainly having um, an influx of organisations like Farmers to Founders. Yep. So certainly five years ago or six years ago when I was um, getting the International Year of the Pulse campaign up and running, it would have been so great to have um, such a support network as Farmers to Founders then. It, it would have been, yeah, I would have been so much more ahead then than I am now. Um, in terms of COVID, um, yes, it's changed the whole 
it's particularly changed the commodity market, um, whereby so many people supplying into food services businesses um, that don't uh, supply into a retailer, they're the ones that have pretty much been stripped out of these lockdowns. Um, we've, we've seen so many businesses just decide to close their doors um, or fold um, that are in that genre. Um, I've then seen some very clever businesses pivot from being only a supplier into cafes and restaurants, into their own retail brands or uh, engaging other um, particularly agribusinesses agri yep. um, or, or the small entrepreneurial businesses and offering a you know unique retail product that you can't get in Coles or Safeway. There's been a massive move in that area as well in order to stay afloat. Um, from my own retail perspective, I pretty much had to let my retail products uh, sit for a, a long time because I was I've been homeschooling three children, um, as well as the fact that the product's been heavily geared to the tourism market. Um, so it's it's had to sit, and even some of it I let sort of run down completely, and then I've just been gearing it back up. You know, in more recent months, um, taking on board some great feedback from farmers to founders. I will add. I bet. So across those nine years, how much has the conversation shifted? For women in agriculture and the role that they play, I think the others, Jenny and Fee, I think their businesses have been going a bit shorter time. So from your experience, how has that shifted for yourself? Oh, look, I'd actually say it goes back further than that, Jack. I'd actually I'd actually look at the role of women going back um, probably even 30 years and, and that movement from only being a support to your husband and your husband... Um, you know, working really long hours and you making sure that they've, they've got food on the table, you're making sure that, you know, um, the family are fed, you know, right through to, to now the role of women is, is, is that, as I said earlier, the leadership role. Um, I, I think it's pretty exciting. I mean, and I think Fee's summary really summed it up well earlier because she's talking about the different skill sets. So, so going back 20 years, a farmer would aspire to getting a nurse or a teacher because that created diverse income streams for the farm. You know, these days, yes, get your get your lady friend that is a, a qualified food tech. Um, you know, she could be a scientist. She could be an engineer. Um, she could have an IT background. There are so many diverse backgrounds that women have that can pair up with the traditional farming model that will um, really create amazing diversified income streams for agriculture, the immediate family farm or corporate farm, right through to the community um, and create all sorts of new businesses that can exist in small regional towns that couldn't exist, you know, five or 10 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. We've really come leaps and bounds. And I think the COVID pandemic, Sky, you may be able to put a bit more onto this, has really escalated how quickly we've adopted these new technologies. Talking on a podcast like this probably wasn't as easy as it would have been five, 10 years ago. Yeah, exactly. I think like, well, you know, the fact that podcasts have exploded and, and all these, you know, new virtual ways that we communicate, it's not necessarily um, ideal. And I'm definitely looking forward to going back to some face-to-face um, you know, contact with our cohorts, you know, farmers to founders had to pivot. We've been fully virtual for the last two years. And so um, just speaking from that perspective, it's had a, you know, a positive and, you know, some, some in some cases negative impact and particularly yep. um, just an example is that it's harder for the cohorts to, um, you know, get those connections really deep. So um, both Fee and Jenny from Garlicious, they actually were in a cohort before COVID. And so they actually had that face-to-face -face time. And that was a really strong cohort that bonded together, which is a really important part of our program is to, is the cohort themselves become, you know, close friends and advocates for each other. And, you know, and then Jenny was in, in the most recent boot camp, which was fully virtual. And so I guess our, you know, our experience was that it probably wasn't as connected, but still a great cohort. Everyone was still, you know, friends and happy, but just not having that face-to-face -face time, um, I think, impacted. And, you know, I haven't, I think I've met Claire, who's been in my team for quite a while now. I've met her t once face-to-face. -face. So, right. 
So it's it's funny when you work as a remote team. So our team's all remote across Australia. So, you know, we we haven't seen each other for a long time. So that impacts as well internally in our, in our business that we can't, you know, get up the get on the whiteboard together and, you know, do all of those brainstorming things. Um, but yeah. Soon. Absolutely. Well, I think it's unreal to be able to talk to you all. I think I'd run out of money um, spending it on fuel to go around to each of your house and have this conversation with you. So it's fantastic to bring you all in to today and what's, what it's all about, women in agriculture and bolstering your position and the women out there, young and old, looking into maybe value adding to their farm or even just value adding to their life and making those personal development choices to have a better life for them, but also their family and what they do throughout it. An astonishing fact is women were only recognised as farmers in 1994. I looked that up, I think, last year and I nearly fell over because that's younger than me. Um, just scrapes in there. But what do you think about that? And like, I think we've come a fair way since then. Getting these technology to spread our information that little bit quicker to give women in agriculture that position, that role on the board, that helps. It's not just about filling a seat though, I think. I think like women in agriculture have a huge role to play and they bring their own unique twist to things um, and see things a little bit differently to us blunt blokes that might just bulldoze in and not think about something before diving into it. Jenny from Galicious Grown, I'll go to you about that one. How do you feel that women in agriculture, how far they've come since you've been around and what are your thoughts on that yeah i think that's really interesting i think my mum would be horrified to hear that women were only recognized as farmers from 1994 having worked um on my family farm all her life and i feel like she would have definitely felt equal partner with my dad not not just a uh, a person that did the cooking and the washing so um I'm excited that that's actually a recognition point now and that that we can uh, very confidently uh, say that we're farmers and that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. And for yourself as entrepreneurs, you may not call yourself entrepreneurs, it's all in the details of running your business, those fine details, the one percenters. How important is that to get those right for your business and for Galicious Grown? Absolutely. It's huge because I guess, particularly given that we, our product is, uh, we're trying to market it as a gourmet uh, high-end product. So it's the subtleties that are really important. So your labelling has to look high-end. The, the wording on your products have to be uh, considered high-end. And that level of detail, no offence to the men on the planet, but I think us women might do that a bit better. <laughs> and, um, yeah, that, you're right. It's those one percenters of that sort of level that we really need to be able to enter uh, our product in a fairly niche market. Absolutely. And what would be your one piece of farms advice that you'd like to pass on to any younger or older women out there looking to maybe even get some higher value products onto the shelves as well? Not garlic. Uh, yeah, I think it is, like you said before, uh, I think, I'm not sure who, uh, Sky might have said it, about believing in yourself. Because like I said, yes, when we entered Farmers to Founders, I felt like, oh, I'm not sure, what am I doing here? This might be a really, this, this business might, might not be going anywhere. And I should have had better, or fortunately, Farmers to Founders gave us more um, of that confidence to go, you know what, this is a really great idea. And roll with it and and so to anyone you know with a similar type of product i hope that they would would just take the plunge take the risk and and go for it absolutely and i i see by having these conversations that the ladies in the room on the zoom actually have their true north focused in you're not worried about what's sort of happening to the left to the right of you you're just focusing on probably improving your community and the role that they you have within it and also how others look into you and hopefully we're not all pigeonholed into seeing we don't know what ag tech does or how to analyze that data to improve it so from your um experiences fee for yourself 
what would be your one piece of advice moving on for women in agriculture looking to get into maybe agronomy or even the ag tech side of it? Yeah, if you're passionate about it, just follow your passion. Um, I think, you know, people are really successful in things that really are important to them and that they truly believe in. And um, I'm pretty sure that all of us here, our property businesses started from that. And um, I know that we did, you know, we you know, we came back to be farmers and to work in the wine industry. We love farming. We love the rural community. And all these doors have opened to us because we're passionate about what we wanted to do and, and followed our dreams. So I think if um, if it's an industry that you're passionate about, then it will embrace you yeah, and be successful. Yeah, 100%. I think if your passion flows through, it's going to flow through your business and you'll see the rewards at the end. It may not come in the very short term, but that long-term outlook proves all the time, proof in the pudding. So, Sky, I'll leave it back to you from the farmers to founders end of it. How are we going to wrap up this episode? I've never actually done this many people on an episode before so to wrap that up to give it the substance that really needs to happen for women in agricultural day pretty privileged to have all of you on and then farmers the founders the real backing into this for both the ladies and also the podcast coming on yeah thanks jack i guess um you know i echo everything that has just been said by the ladies and i really appreciate um them coming on today to share their stories and so i think you know, and, and also to you, Jack, by providing this platform for, you know, the voice to be, you know, to inspire others. Um, and so I guess my, my only word of advice is to, you know, don't just dream about it, you know, do it. Um, and there's, there's communities, there's networks, there's farmers to founders and lots of other organisations that are around to, to provide the support that you need to kind of get started. And, and so you don't need to be afraid, you can be confident and, and then take that that very first step. Yes, Lee, it starts with everything. This podcast, I sort of had to say, I actually asked my mum, I told her, don't let me start a podcast. I wanted to start it a bit earlier, um, but I, that was something I told her and she, she failed pretty well at that. So I started one. So I think you just have to get in there, jump in, worry about what else is going to come after it. It can't go all that bad if you're going to fail. You're going to learn a little bit of something. All these books say it all the time. It drives me nuts. But that's literally what it is. If you get in, do it, fail, you're going to learn something. And these ladies here for the show, I'm sure they would have learned from their failures throughout their life. Yeah, exactly. I guess just to build on that, it's all about like, you know, a fail is not a fail. It's nothing to be ashamed of if you fail. It's, it's just a learning experience. And so to, to get up and keep going. So, you know, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. So this episode was all in collaboration with Farmers to Founders and the beautiful women we had on the show. We had Jenny, Fiona, and also Jenny again from the Wimmera Grain Store. Jenny from Delicious Grown, Fee from Bitwise Ag, that little bit better out in the paddock for you guys out there for agronomy. Thank you so much for coming on, pumping up the podcast, but also hopefully you get a little bit out of this self-development coming onto a podcast not sure if you've done a podcast before but it's fantastic to have you on and hopefully we can get that the listener level for the podcast is actually 70 percent male and 30 percent female which is pretty well what agricultural is throughout australia so hopefully we can lift that up and inspire a few women out there young and old to it's never too late to start as you may know any last remarks before we go all good for me, Jack. Thank you. Nice to see you all. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks, Jack. Thank you. Talk soon. Talk soon. Peace. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to a pretty special episode with the organizer Sky Reward. And a special thanks goes out there to Claire Pink for putting this episode all together. And thank you very much to Jenny from Delicious Grown. Jenny also from Wimmera Grain Store and also Fiona from Bitwise as well. I couldn't thank you enough for coming on this episode but also leading the way for women out there young and old to see how an entrepreneurial mindset can really start to thrive out there in the ecosystem of Australian agriculture currently. 
four women on this episode today really changing the game of how it's all done. And that's what we're all about on the podcast, to get those game changers on, to see how they do it, and maybe yourself as a listener, or even a bloke out there, how you can take a leaf out of their book to go and improve your own enterprise back at home. So make sure you share this episode and listen to it on whatever your preferred podcast platform is. You'll see it all over socials, so make sure you share that with your mates, your mum, your dad, whoever you think that would find something quite useful for building rural women's resilience in the wake of COVID-19. Thanks for coming along, and I can't wait to celebrate women working with agriculture today, the rest of the day, and for the rest of the year as we get on. Where has the year gone, actually? Marius, we'll wrap it up there, and I'll see you on Tuesday. If you want to hear a little bit more about Farmers to Founders and where these speakers came from and the program they went through, find them at farmers2founders.com. Two being the numeral. See you next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.